Welcome to the Unfamiliar Shift with me, Ariella, the Boutique Lifestyle Leaders Association's Hospitality Show. This is a podcast about the boutique hospitality community and how its top industry executives and leaders stay up to date on the best innovative trends in boutique hotels all around the world. Each season, I'll bring my favorite visionaries to candidly discuss new philosophies, ideas, and innovations in the hospitality industry, primarily the boutique community. I'm excited to share with you some of my intimate conversations with these extraordinary leaders as we navigate the unfamiliar shift of boutique hospitality. This podcast is brought to you by Solanus, the intuitive boutique hotel property management system. In this episode, I am extremely excited to welcome our special guest, Brian Cook, who is the Global Director of Corporate Sales at Freehand Hotels and Generator Hotels. Brian began his career with Ritz-Carlton, but quickly transitioned into boutique lifestyle hotels as a manager with the James brand in Miami. After launching the rebranded James Royal Palm property, Brian then made his way to New York to manage the James Hotel in Soho, New York City. His experience in the New York market was growing by the day, and Brian was eventually given the opportunity to move over to the iconic boutique lifestyle brand, none other than Grand Life Hotels. Most recently, Brian teamed up with Generator Hotels to create a global sales team overseeing their newly developed U.S. properties, in addition to their newly acquired brand, Freehand Hotels. So with that, let's give a warm welcome to our featured guest, Brian Cook. Hey everyone, it's Ariella with The Unfamiliar Shift with me, Ariella. I'm joined here with someone who's become a good friend, a New York confidant, I guess you could say, Ryan Cook. He leads corporate sales over at Freehand and Generator, which are some of my favorite boutique hotel brands. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ariella. Great to speak to you again. It's great to be here. I'd love to see everything coming back in the boutique hotel world. Thank you. Thank you. It's so funny. We just saw each other and you were showing me the new bar. It was like the coolest, sexiest, like dimming the lights, beautiful cocktails with those, (laughs) you know, heavy glasses. It's such a vibe. What was the name of it at Freehand in New York? That was our newly introduced Bar Calico on the second level, a product produced by Authentic Hospitality. And they've also created the Georgia Room and they have had a helping hand in really bringing the F&B experience on this property full circle with their new venues here. Uh, It's just been awesome and a great compliment to our iconic Broken Shaker rooftop and our other new partner, Comodo, in the restaurant form. It's It's just been such great things to see. Amazing, amazing. And, you know, food is such a vital aspect to the hotel experience, don't you think? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it's what makes boutique hotels truly authentic when it comes to their design matching up with their, you know, wide range of F&B outlets. Uh, It's what makes these properties special. So absolutely. So excited to see it. Awesome. Well, I want to get started with my favorite question. Uh, Let's get into how did you enter the hospitality industry? What was your journey to where you are now? And talk to us about your current role. Yeah, I love that. So I'll rewind back to the beginning because it it was a little bit of an unplanned experience of jumping into the hotel world. I was living in Miami and I was post-college and I, I really knew that I had to find something that I called home. So like anyone right out of college, I I got a job as a server and it just so happened to be with uh, Ritz Carlton. 
And Ritz-Carlton was a great place to become a server and get an introduction into the hotel world because from ground up, whether you're a server or you're an executive, they really do an amazing job with training. But it gave me a good experience of what it was to be a service professional. And so I started in food and beverage with Ritz and soon after started seeing the sales and marketing operating throughout the building. And that was where I really you know, gained interest into you know what do hotel salespeople do and what are they actually selling? And, and from a traveler standpoint, you never really see that side of it and especially at a young age, but I was lucky enough to to get an opportunity with them and quickly then moved over into the boutique space with Denahan at the time, which was managing the James brand down in Miami. Amazing. And then, so now at Freehand. So um, from, yeah, from the, the role with James in Miami, I came up with that same brand here in New York and managed their James property in Soho, which happened to be next to uh, another iconic boutique brand in New York, Grand Life Hotels, which I soon then started working for them. Um, love them. Love, love, love my good family over at Grand Life and uh, did about five or six years with them prior to coming over to now Freehand, which has really come full circle because I'm just in love with our brand and, and Generator, the parent company. Their hotels over in Europe and now in the US are, are really you know shaking things up. When did um, Queensgate buy Freehand? They came in in 2019, right before, obviously you couldn't have had you know, worse timing on the sense of acquiring a new hotel brand, but they've done a great job of maintaining the brand's presence and keeping things active throughout this downtime. But really just coming out of this uh, over the last four months, we've just seen you know such an uptick in business. And I think it's a true testament to the executives and the ownership, but also the operational teams just keeping things going during this awesome. slow time. Yeah. Awesome. That's great to hear. Well, I want to get into the ethos of both Generator and Freehand. Can you walk us through the mission, the ethos of both companies? Yeah, absolutely. The target traveler for both is is definitely trends a bit younger, but we're seeing it being very wide range because uh, the ethos for both is really matching up affordability on the room side with over the top Mm -hmm. experience and, and teaching the traveler that to get an affordable room doesn't mean you have to sacrifice experience. And that's something that Freehand has done well since prior to the acquisition, and, and I think it even does better now that it has the influence of Generator, which has done this, you know, right for years in Europe with their properties they designed out there. Mm-hmm. No, I love Generator. I think it's one of my most favorite hotel brands, which if you know me, you wouldn't think that. But I went to my first Generator in Berlin in, oh my gosh, <laughs> <Yeah>. 2015? <laughs> I loved it. I love it. that. So, okay, so I grew up, if you know Fran, you know, the mama bear of boutique, her Mm -hmm. past life was in travel. And so I just grew up like in the travel agent world, luxury, first class, this ultra luxury. And then she's like, oh, my friend's the CEO. It was Josh Wyatt at the time of Generator. Can you go try it? And I was like, a hostel? Excuse me? Like, (laughs) absolutely not. And and so I ended up going and it changed my perspective of it. And what it really opened up my eyes to was how they know community Mm -hmm. better than any other kind of hotel because everyone's getting to know each other. They had libraries and these clubs and everyone was constantly interacting and they really were, Generator really was the leader in the Mm -hmm. what we called the hostel revolution um, back in 2017. And I think hotels have learned 
like traditional hotels have learned so much from Generator and now Freehand, what you guys have been doing. Any thoughts on that, on like what hotels can take away from it? Yeah, well, you know, I think when it comes down to it, one of the best things that Generator's gotten right over the years, and obviously I think Freehand trended in the same way, but now does it Mm -hmm. uh, even better with the influence of Generator again, is that they really know how to infuse the energy of the neighborhood into the energy of the property and seamlessly do it in a way where you're not necessarily taking away from the guest experience because it's so infused into the neighborhood where mm-hmm. you just are overrun with locals. But you find that a property that has locals that are constantly interacting, whether it be in the F&B outlets or the public spaces with the hotel guests, it's one of the unique ways that boutique hotels can really drive that authentic feeling on property. Right, because you have these people that are native to that city or or that country, and the culture somewhat seeps in, even though the travelers may not be from that culture. Um, you get that feel, that look, and the ambiance uh, and the atmosphere just changes when you know, that's a, a main you know aspect of the hotel, which I, I love about generators, especially in Europe. And I think it's all about the design, right, and what you design. I saw our property in Stockholm the other day with a tattoo parlor. In, oh my gosh, no in way. In the bar, which for better or worse, I'm sure people end up there and they didn't <laughs> plan to go there, but they have a, a renowned tattoo artist that calls that home and and just little things like that where I think you, you find these unique experience all throughout generator and freehand properties that you think to yourself, this is why I chose a, a freehand or this is why I chose a generator hotel because it's the unexpected. Ooh, I like that. It's the unexpected. Talking about culture, you've been in New York a while. To you, what is New York culture? To me, New York culture is so widespread, it's very hard to put a word behind it. But Mm -hmm. I think from my experience growing up in Maine, I went to college down in Miami, and that was a culture shock of its own. But my first introduction when I came to New York in 2014, 2015, was the authenticity was unmatched. And I think Mm -hmm. that's where I I always hone in on what is New York culture. It's authentic to what it is because you're always experiencing a different form of culture in New York, but it always feels so authentic that you almost feel like it's, it's even more authentic than the actual culture itself. Right. And, and it's the combination of all the different cultures working together. And when I talk about cultures, it's not just countries and uh, geographic culture, but also Uh, culture behind brands and culture behind movements and culture behind social equality and and all of that, Mm -hmm. that really I I love about New York because everyone is welcome. Everyone's embraced and er everyone is very authentic in their own light. So that's New York culture in my eyes. Oh, I love that. Everyone is embraced in their own light. That's so true. Whenever someone asks me about New York, like we're going back to Fran, specifically Fran. She's like, why do you live there? I don't get it. And I'm like, the only way I can describe why I go broke off of rent is <laughs> because my heart beats with the city. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. When I'm in New York, I feel at home. It's sometimes yeah. like the most, it's the biggest city, but it can be the loneliest. But I still feel so whole. And it is, it's just like this really amazing community and we're so resilient as well. I think coming out of everything that happens, we're, the city's a little bit different now. You know, I'm now in New York recording this with you Mm -hmm. and it's a little different, but it's still just as beautiful and special as it's always been. It's not going anywhere. 
you know? No, no, not, not at all. A good friend of mine, Leo Jacob down at Bowery Hotel, he, he actually created a book throughout the pandemic and it, it highlighted different, I wouldn't say even influencers, I'd say just iconic people in, in New York that have been a, a foundation of, of growth and, and they've helped neighborhoods grow. And it's some on the F&B side, others on the influencer side, whatever it may be, actors, musicians, people that make New York, New York. He did a series of interviews and he's got a great book called uh, New York is Dead. And, and it's mm-hmm. all about how New York is just that city that could never die. Um, oh. and, and it's a, a beautiful, uh, you know, ode to the city and, and where we're at. And, and it's great to see everything coming back. Oh, I love that. Okay, I'm going to go buy that because that's a great representation. You know what's so funny you say that? Right next to me is a book I got from one of my favorite bookstores here called Three Lives and Company. Do you know it in the West Village? Yeah. So (laughs) it's amazing. And I have a book here sitting next to me called Life Stories, Profiles from the New Yorker. And these range from the 50s, 60s, and just stories of people in New York City. And I think that's the best way to describe New York culture is you have to see the people, the iconic people in the city. I'm in love with it. Yeah, it's uh, I think more of that. Right. Everyone. uh, It's funny because I my wife and I had a baby throughout the pandemic. And uh, oh, my gosh, you guys are goals, by the way, if all of you can go like go to his Instagram because (laughs) they're beautiful. Thank you so much. But we moved out of the city during the pandemic, mm-hmm. just looking for more space and support with the baby and her family is uh, out on Long Island. We live out there now, but yeah, it's a slower pace, but it's so great to come back to the city because it just, it's that energy you miss when you do leave. I, it's something that I will think, I, I don't think I can ever be without. I need mm-hmm. to have at some point a point of reference in my life to always be in New York frequently because it just gives you this energy that's unmatched. We're going to hold on that note for just a moment as we introduce our sponsor, Solanus. They are an intuitive property management system powered by a business intelligence engine, offering the hospitality industry a single robust solution for managing hotels, resorts, vacation rentals, and corporate housing. Its ease of use, streamlined onboarding, and 24-7 support make it the preferred PMS solution. Headquartered in San Diego, Solanus is the vision of hospitality experts and technologists who believe it is time for a new era in property management. Ready to discover how they can work with you to elevate your property? Visit Solanus.com to get started. Oh, I love it. We're on the same page. Well, talking talking about New York culture, this is something we were talking about last week. We were laughing about it. And let's get to the fascination with what we both call our hidden gem, the Django, which is the basement (laughs) of the Roxy. Um, During your time at Grand Life Hotels, what was the vision behind opening this bunker style, prohibition style club? How did it affect both the image and sales for the hotel? What would you say our lessons hoteliers can learn from that? Because it is, to me, it's one of the most iconic places in New York. I, I, I couldn't agree more, but I can say so much about the Grand Life team and the CEO, Tony Fant and Brianna Stanley, the lead in design with the brand. It, it, they truly do constantly evolve. It's Everything is very strategically well thought out. But when they were looking to take Tribeca Grand Hotel and, and turn it into the Roxy, 
you know, the Roxy to that brand, it, it was entertainment centric. That word in itself has resonated throughout the years as entertainment and in its truest form. The Roxy, previously Tribeca Graham, was always a hotel that harbored entertainment and was a, a big, that was a big staple for the experience on property. And I think creating the Django in the basement of the hotel and, and I know you alluded to it, but it just has this pre-prohibition feel when you're there. Um, it's truly a, expecting the unexpected is what you need to have in mind when you go to a Grand Life property because around every corner is a hidden gem. But this is my idea of the epitome of hidden gem with Grand Life Hotels is the Django. I mean, when I was there, Maxwell Britain, I know had a heavy helping hand in, in designing the cocktail and the food and beverage program mm -hmm. with them. But that space is just such a unique experience, um, not only for guests, but also for locals. And it's not only the design and the food and the drinks that make it special, it's the programming. So they have a very heavy focus and ongoing evolution of programming that happens out of that space, whether it's some of the residents like Ken Fowler and his quintet or the Chino Ponds and their Latin nights. It's just always a different pace when you go. It, it never misses. You never walk out of there feeling disappointed. And there's just a, a ton of surprises that always come from going to a show down there. Absolutely. It was so funny about, I think it was a month ago, I was on my friend's Instagram. And one of these girls, Alini, who I met in Tulum, like at Nomade, partying one night. Yeah. I see her performing at the Django. She's a beautiful <laughs> Brazilian singer. And I'm like, what a small world. She'll be back um She'll be back in a couple weeks, actually. So I think I'll miss her. But it was just such a small world. And that's the Roxy, though. It also brings yeah. people together. And I just don't know how you couldn't like it. Like, what did we say? We were like, if you don't vibe with the Django, I don't know if we'll vibe. <laughs> that's uh, it's literally all I say is like, it just go. Because people always want to ask questions, right? And I think that's another mm -hmm. part about being a hotelier in New York is like, people rely on you for advice. And uh, though I'm, I'm more of a dad these days, right? Less late nights out more what I call dad dinners, like five o'clock. Let's get after it because I'm, I'm a hard out at about eight because I got to put the baby down. But it's uh, it's definitely one of those places that people will always lead in with a couple more questions and and you just stop them right there and, and just let it be because you know that the experience is going to uh, be over the top. Absolutely. Yeah. And for all hoteliers out there, you should absolutely go because it's some. there's so much to learn from just being in that space. I want to get into some sales strategy talk yeah, because that is your expertise as well. New York culture and hotel sales. It goes hand in hand. You know, you got to <laughs> sell do. it. You got to sell it. Absolutely. What are the five biggest key takeaways from the last two years for sales strategies for boutique hotels? What do you think boutique hotels get wrong with sales? What do you think they get right these days? What's your opinion? Yeah, and I don't want to put five as the top items, but at the same time, I'm happy to speak through a few. So one is you know, anyone, and, and we've seen the industry get so hard hit with sellers and, and some people getting you know put on the sideline and brands having to really just fight the good fight to stay alive and whatnot. It's been a little bit of a sad story in that sense, but some of the uh, uh, shining light and the foundation of it all was you know, brands that were able to survive this time, brands that were able to even grow during this time were, were ones that thought outside the box. I think thinking outside the box is major. Revisiting the uh, sales approach, I think as a, a industry, we we're very used to the phone ringing. Um, so we got to a point where there, that wasn't happening and you really had to recreate 
who you you know were as sellers. You had to rethink what you were selling, mm-hmm. and you had to differentiate your strategy. Product differentiation was a major thing. How are we now catering to a guest that wants something completely different? And a traveler that maybe wasn't traveling. How do you stay yeah. engaged with a, a demographic of people that maybe weren't leaving their homes, right? So mm-hmm. activating a lot of the other sides of the sale, whether it's marketing, whether it's PR, whether it's initiatives with social media, that was really important and it remains an important part of the sales process for sure, as well as finding unique ways to connect with your clients because though they weren't necessarily booking with you, it was, it was just even more important almost to reconnect with them, have a human approach to it instead of a sales approach is another big uh, point that I'd say that is something that sometimes naturally people miss because they're so desperate to make the sale. They come across as having that agenda, whereas our industry, we really had to take a human approach to the downtime. And, And as we now get back to it, it's great to see things moving forward and converting quickly, but relationship management for us as a brand was just as much of a human contact and just making sure that people were okay and and that we were sensitive to their situations and just keeping them updated and educated with what we were doing on the positive front while at the same time being conscious of the fact that not everyone is in that same boat and really just support in any way we could. That's what we were trying to do. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. It's like, oh my gosh, I did not just use the word pivot. Oh my gosh. But a lot of things shifted and I think that there's a lot we can learn and it's not about looking back. It's about looking forward. And whenever we say, oh, we're going to go back to 2019 numbers, it's like, well, actually, no, we're going to go past 2019 numbers. And I think that's the biggest thing. This, not just the city, but I think our industry as a whole, we're going to grow because we also see so many people moving investments from other industries yeah. and bringing it into hospitality because we all know, especially right now, you don't want to have excess cash at the moment. You need to invest it. And for sure, we've never gotten so many calls about investing in independent boutique hotels because that's what everyone sees as like the real money maker. It's, it's so crazy to even like think of that. That's where the world is headed. Uh, well, crazy, I, but. I think the point is too, you see so many brands that are in tech or they're in food and beverage or they're in mm-hmm. nightlife or whatever it may be that they feel the need to invest in boutique hotels because their brand itself benefits from that investment right? Yes. They, they start to infuse themselves into the design, the experience. And, and in doing so, they're front facing to their target market, just as much as being a, you know, a resource for you know, maybe salt, maybe it checks two boxes, and they now have a hotel that they can put their employees at or whatever it may be. We've mm-hmm. seen it with like, even brands like Chanel opening the Chanel Hotel in uh, Detroit, mm-hmm. and other brands that have just found that hotel and, and especially boutique hotel design, yeah, it really does infuse its way back into what they're doing from a design standpoint for their own showrooms, for their own uh, retail spaces. And now you're seeing you know, the old gift shop of a hotel, which was pretty not very thought out at all, is now becoming a point of showcase for brands. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it shows the alignment for those brands on the hotel side with those brands that they're featuring in their stores. It shows the alignment in it and it helps communicate what that guest experience is on property. Absolutely. No, it's so true because there's nothing when you're in a hotel, you're experiencing a brand's culture 360. You're using all five senses mostly 
to experience what the brand's mission, their ethos, their culture is. You can't do that in any other type of business except for a hotel and you're just engulfed into it. So I agree that so many people see the value in it and that's where it's headed. I'm trying to think of like, there's so many brands that want to open up hotels or are partnering. I think a lot of them are starting with partnering with boutique hotels, collaboration, starting there, Mm -hmm. and then moving into becoming a hotelier themselves. So many new things coming to this industry and it's very exciting. I have, we're almost out of time and I want to end this awesome conversation with my favorite question, which is an interesting one because everyone has their own definition of boutique. I know it as an association, it's something we've really had to learn, but I want to know what does boutique mean to you? Yeah, I love that. And and you're so right. Everyone has their own definition and to a point in its foundation, nobody is wrong in what their definition is, but Mm -hmm. I tie it back into how I think of New York because I think authenticity would be the word I would put behind it, but it really does match up with the understanding of having a destination inspired design and experience, but also a careful curation of partners that bring together the experience and really make it authentic for the traveler. Mm-hmm. And that's why I always think that we've seen it now with some of the bigger umbrellas creating their own line of boutique hotels and obviously independent and boutique hotels that have the the last 10, 15 years as they've been continued to, to be developed um, and more have popped up. There's a reason why not many are going away because I think the traveler is just really wanting that experience. And the ones that do it best, and I've been very lucky to work with a few of the the companies that really do do it best, um, especially here in New York, have understood that it's not only their internal influence that will communicate that to the guests, but constantly having a revolving door of influence from the actual city, from the actual market that they operate in to create that experience. So authenticity is key, and it doesn't only come from the design of the hotel and making it an authentic design of the experience of that city. It comes from the the design of the experience, and it has to be designed in the form of bringing in outside influencers that have truly been authentic to that city. And that's what really communicates the experience to being truly boutique. Oh, I love that. It's not just the design of the hotel. And I think you all know what I mean by say, yes, it's not just the design. We all know (laughs) who I'm talking to, but, um, but, and that's okay. There are going to be some hotels. Like I think the new cookie cutter, Mm. weirdly enough, is becoming like super high design. And then it's, it doesn't match any other part of the hotel culture. You know what I mean? That's the new cookie cutter. So that's, I think, what big brands don't understand. But that's okay because there's a place for that. But Mm -hmm. for independent boutique spirit, it's exactly what you're talking about. And I hope everyone wrote that down because that was really beautifully said. (laughs) With that, that's all the time we have. Brian, I can't wait to come visit. We'll We'll have to do the rooftop where you are right now. Some margaritas and chips and salsa. We'll have some fun. The sunny days are right around the corner. I'm ready for it. That's, that's so true. Thanks, Brian. See you next time. All right. Take care. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solanus, the intuitive boutique hotel property management system. Thanks for listening to The Unfamiliar Shift with Ariella. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Let us know what you think. 
To learn more about the world of boutique hospitality, be sure to check out our website, bla.org.